Online Crossroads fam, welcome or welcome back to our midweek podcast of Crossroads. Um, we've been doing this thing for the month of September. It is, uh, oh, you know, before I do that, I guess I need to do that official thing. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by, that's right, we've got a sponsor. Well, actually, it's brought to you by our student ministry, Crossroads Student Ministries. Um, it costs a little bit to do podcasts, and uh, we, we don't have... Uh, a following to where you would have people that would want to sponsor you. Uh, so we're just doing this through our Crossroads student ministry budget. And, uh, you know, if you would like to sponsor, though, feel free to send a, send me a, a message, and I'd love for you to, to be a part of this. But uh, we are coming towards the end of our She Says month, uh, the month of September, uh, we decided we wanted to hear from some godly women. And the whole premise behind this, as we've shared before, uh, is for our ladies to see what it's like to be a godly woman and for our guys to see what they need to be looking for when they are searching for Mrs. Wright. Uh, tonight, or during this podcast, very excited to have uh, one of the newest members of the West End Baptist family. Uh, she is our new, let's say, I think the title is... Uh, Director of Music Ministries. Uh, you can call it worship leader. You can call her minister of music, whatever you want to call her. But she is a dear friend of mine. I've known her for years, and she is now part of our family here at Western Baptist Church, she and her husband, Barry. Uh, but this is Miss Paula Cornegie, and she's here to just share with us uh, what God has done in her life in those moments uh, th- those critical moments when you know that God has spoken to you. Uh, glad that you're part of this podcast. As always, welcome to Crossroads. Oh, hear me good. Okay. Oh, it's not a microphone like for a volume. Okay. Thank y'all for letting me be here tonight. I have looked forward to this. You know, Brother Kenny asked me to do this, oh, goodness, six weeks ago, probably. It's been a while. And, you know, when he asked me to do it, I was like, I wonder what's going to be going on on September the 18th. I wonder what's going to be going on in my life. And, and just I, I like blinked, and here I am. So I'm excited to tell you that I'm excited to be with you and get to know you. And so tonight, I, you're going to hear a few things about me. And you know, Brother Kenny said, share what God has done in your life. Well, we'll be done like next Tuesday. And so y'all just settle in over here on the couch. Y'all got the best seats. But I wanted, I want you to know more about who I am. Because you see me on Sunday morning as that woman up there that's singing, all right? And I told Kenny, I said, I want to get to know y'all. And tonight you'll, you'll see that I like to sing better than I like to speak, but I can speak. Um, first of all, let me just say about what happened just a few minutes ago. I love the sound of student voices. There's nothing like it. I just was over in the sanctuary, and there's also nothing like the sound of children's choirs. There's nothing like it. Nothing sounds the same. And when y'all are up here singing, nothing sounds like that. And that, I just want you to know that's a blessing. That's a blessing to hear you sing, to see you play. I, know, I don't know if you noticed um, Hunter up there on Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning, and Kaylee and Hallie. And just what a wonderful, wonderful job. And you've seen Joshua up there playing. Where's Joshua? I've lost you. Back over there. So I want you all to be involved in Western Baptist Church, not just in this room, but out there over in that big church, all right, what we used to call it, and, and out and about on our mission field because there's so much talent in this room, all right? And you'll hear a little bit about me tonight. 
First thing I want to tell you is that I'm not very good at telling jokes. I'm not going to tell a joke tonight. I'm not funny. I'm funny because you're going to laugh at me, and you're going to make fun of me, and that's okay. Because these two are my kids. My son, Patrick, if you'll stand up. Y'all, if y'all don't know, that's my son, Patrick. And he's married to Aaron, who's also um, recovering from strep throat. And then here's my daughter, Liv. If you haven't met Liv, and then her husband, Brian. And so... Um, they make fun of me a lot. My husband, Barry, makes the most fun of me. So tonight you can make fun of me. It's okay. I can take it. I'm used to it. Every single day, this is the first thing I wanted to share about myself. And you, you wouldn't know this unless I told you. Every single day, I watch at least one episode of I Love Lucy. Every single day. Even Sunday mornings, I get up early so I can watch one episode. Now, I've not always done that, but I've been doing it now for a long, long time. Anybody know who I Love Lucy is? You know the show? Anybody? And you probably don't even know. It's in black and white. I mean, the first time I showed my granddaughters a video, uh, one, of the, one of the shows, they're like, where's the color? Why does it look funny? It's all in black and white. But Barry always calls me Lucy, and he says, I, I'm like Lucy, but... She, she makes me laugh. And you know what, guys? Every day, we need to laugh. We need to laugh. Laugh at what's going on in our world. Just laugh. Just have fun. Just, just sometimes we just need to laugh. And there's been times in our family when we've been in the car together, and we would get so tickled that we'd have to literally pull the car over. So we, we have a happy family, and I hope you do. I hope you do. But Lucy helps me every day to just laugh. Just laugh at the simplest little things because we get so serious. Looking at y'all in this room, y'all are so serious looking at me like, I don't know what she's going to do, what she's going to say. I'm just going to tell you what God has done in my life. And I've got several pages. I might share some of it and I might share all of it. Um, I want to talk tonight about several defining moments in my life. Y'all know what that means, the defining moment? It, something happened and you take note of it. All right, and, and there's been a lot of different defining moments in my life, but um, I want to talk about some of those. When I was like 10 months old, okay, now that's a small child, 10 months old, my mother says I could sit in her lap at the piano and I could just pick out tunes. All right, I look at my grandkids and I'm like, I, don't, I wish we had a video because I don't, I don't know how to believe that. But she says I could just pick out tunes. So she took me to the University of Montevallo where she was working on her master's degree at the time in piano performance. So she took me to her classes with her. And back then, they would let me literally sit in the classes, in the classroom with her in a college setting. So I would just sit there and be quiet and she would take me to class. This was before my sister Jeffrey was born. And yes, I said Jeffrey. That's my sister's name. That's her only name because we don't have middle names. That's another cool thing about me. I don't have a middle name. So um, at two years old, I was playing so much on the piano. Mother said, we got to do something. And mother's a piano teacher. Y'all know that. But she didn't want to teach me. She just said she felt like I'd do better. So I still, she took me to one of the professors at Montevallo. And so I started lessons at the University of Montevallo when I was two. And I took lessons up until I was about six from the same lady. And then I switched teachers and, you know, I, I, I was already playing things at two years old. And so they began to teach me. I was playing by ear, all right? But then they began to teach me how to play by notes. So I was kind of a quirky kid, I guess. There was a lot of professors that, mother tells me the story, they wanted to, they wanted to send me to Germany to live 
I guess it would be like a boarding school, you know. They wanted to do that and take me and work with me in another country in another, I don't know what the school was, but Mother and Daddy decided not to do that. They wanted me to grow up normal, so here I am, normal. Mm -hmm. But, <laughs> but um, I'm glad that they didn't, y'all, because my life would have taken a whole other path than what it took, okay? And, and again, you're going to hear me say a couple of times tonight that God has a plan for your life, for your life, for your life, just like he did for mine, and just like he does for mine, because my, my life is not over, it's still going, all right? So at the age of five, you heard me say on Sunday morning, if you were there on the 8th, at the age of five, I was sitting next, I was at the old sanctuary here at West End Baptist Church, sitting next to my mother at the piano bench. I guess I just stayed on the piano bench with her all the time, but I, I was sitting there, and she tells it like this. I remember what happened, but she said, I turned and you were gone. I was already down. I was down shaking Brother Sewell by the hand. I was saying, I want Jesus in my heart. See, I had heard about Jesus all my life from my parents. I was very, very, very blessed to have Christian parents. Not everyone has Christian parents. I'm well aware of that. But I was blessed to have two Christian parents that talked about God all the time and talked about Jesus. So it was very natural for me to, to know what I did. And God spoke to me and I was saved. I was baptized. Grew up a few more years, and I'm still playing the piano. I'm still doing all these things musically, but I went to, I told you about going to GA camp, all right? This is another defining moment in my life when I went to GA camp in the fifth grade. Y'all are a little bit older than fifth grade. All of you are, but fifth grade, God said to me, I want you to be a missionary. Now, I'm going to stop right there. God may have already told some of you that. I want you to be a missionary. Have you been asking him what he wants you to do with your life? Because he told me that in the fifth grade. So I'm going to say, start asking him if you haven't. When you start planning your, you know, y'all do that. I mean, all of y'all are going to colleges and you're doing previews, you're doing all this, you're taking your ACT and you're getting ready. But are you asking God what he wants for you to do? Or are you just doing what you want to do? That's just a question. Just ask yourself these questions. Because he told me, you're going to be a missionary. So that's there. It's in my mind. I know that. I'm not really doing a whole lot about it, though. In the fifth grade, sixth grade. Well, about the seventh grade, I started going to Cook Springs camp. Any of you been to Cook Springs? You remember sitting on the side of the mountain, and they would... Yeah, they would burn that cross. It was Thursday night, I think. All right, so I went every year. Just like you guys go to the same thing. Y'all do things, and you love it, and you're like, I can't wait to go back. Friendsgiving, I've heard Kathy talking about it. Oh, that's so good. So you're already looking forward to it. All right, so I remember a defining moment, sitting on the side of that hill on those rocks, and nobody else mattered but God. Nobody around me. And I was always concerned about people around me. I wanted to be light. I wanted to be the center of focus. I wanted all the guys to like me. I wanted all the girls to like me. I wanted all the adults to like me. But at that moment, it didn't matter. I remember God speaking to me. And I knew what his voice sounded like because I, I talked to him from time to time. Not every day, but from time to time. So I'm going to ask you the question. Do you talk to God? Do you talk to Him? You don't have to answer, but just ask yourself, do you talk to God? 
Do you think God can hear you when you talk to him? And have you ever heard him speak to you? Because I know what his voice sounds like. Never heard it out loud. I'm not crazy, okay? But some people have, but I haven't. So when God speaks to me, I know it's his voice. But the way that I hear him sometimes is I have to kind of separate myself away, kind of like I did at Cook Springs. And I'm sitting on those rocks and I'm focused on him. I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking a step back from all the junk in my life and I'm focused on him. I can hear him so clear. Have you ever heard him clear and you know it's him? It's not you. It might even be something you don't even want to do or think you can do. But the thought's in your mind and you think, is that God or is that me? Start thinking about those things. Start thinking about what does God's voice sound like? What does it sound like? Because y'all, today, I talk to him all the time. And I hear him a lot. But I do that on purpose, not by accident. I don't say, at 10 o'clock every morning, I'm going to talk to God. No, I just try to make it a part of my life part of my life, part of my day, and I try to carve out those times. Sometimes I'm like driving somewhere and I'm talking to him, but sometimes I get on an easy go on our property and I literally drive through the woods by myself because I just need the quiet. I love this word. You, you may not know this, the word solace. It's like S-O-L-A-C-E. It's just the quiet and the peace. Because our land where we live, y'all, I've made every major decision on that land, pretty much. Mary and I have come from Louisville and gone to that land and gone out in the woods and prayed, prayed, God, tell us, tell us, tell us. And so that's my, that's my place. Where is your place? Do you have a place like that? You know what? It could be your closet. That could be your prayer closet. That could be where you go to take the world and shove it out. Shut the door and just sit there on the floor and say, God, I'm going to sit here till you speak. I want to hear you speak. So just think about those things. All right, now, first mission trip I ever went on. Another defining moment. Newton Falls, Ohio. Anybody ever heard the name Myrtle Littleton? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can only go on trips like camp. I can only go to those things if Miss Myrtle went. That was my parents' rule, not hers. That was my parents'. You can only go if Miss Myrtle's going. And Myrtle would always let me sleep on the same bunk as her, like up and down. She would always sleep up, I'd sleep down, because I was afraid I'd fall off. I didn't want to fall off. And everybody's like, well, you put her on top? Yeah, she liked it. She was like a hawk. She could tell if you moved in that bed, buddy. I'm talking about she'd be up. She'd be like, what are you doing over there? Paula, Paula, what are you doing? Yeah, so listen. Miss Myrtle invited me on my first mission trip, so I went to Newton Falls, Ohio, and I told you the story, first devotion I ever did, and I, I said, God, I need a verse. I need you. And so I, I, I separated myself from the group, and he gave me Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Can you say it with me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So I gave a devotion, like, 20 seconds. No, it was longer than that. But I gave a little devotion that morning. So I'll never forget that. Defining moment. All right. Some of you, some of you are in middle school. I'm intermediate school. You're in high school. Music helped me fit in, y'all. Some of y'all are football, band, cheerleaders. What else do you do? What do y'all do? What do you do to fit in? Drama? 
math? What do you, how do you fit in? You gotta, you gotta answer those questions. What makes you fit? Music helped me. I could sit at that piano and I could play. I played for everything we had in high school. Now, they don't really do that so much anymore, I don't think. But that's, that's the part that helped me to fit in. Because again, I was kind of quirky, all right? I'm still kind of quirky, you see that already. So music helped me with that. And I can play by ear, so that was always a fun thing. But there's always something that you can do to help, you know, to bridge those gaps. Because I can remember, like it was yesterday, walking into Chilton County High School the very first day, freshman year, holding my friend Chris's hand, walking down the step. What in the world? What in the world? Scared to death? Scared to death. And I remember lots of those moments in high school that I was scared to death. But again, music kind of helped me. That was what I used. All right, so college, I soared musically. My, my dream from about, whew, I say fifth grade probably, sixth grade, my dream began, what I wanted was to go to Juilliard. Y'all know what that is? It's a music school, a dance school too. It's, a, it's an art school in New York City, all right? I wanted to go there. I was going there. There's an article that the University of Montevallo did when I was like a junior that says, I'm going there. But I did not go there. Actually, my mother's been there and had several lessons. I've been with her. But I did not go there. But that was my dream, see? That's what I wanted to do. Go to Juilliard, be a concert pianist, and travel the world. You know, make a lot of money. Not, but that's my dream. That's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I'd be in the recitals. I would take the bow, take a bow, and, I, and people would just clap, 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 clap. You know, I was like the best of the best. I was the best of the best. Had a whole graduate assistantship to go to, to Ole Miss and for, to work on a master's degree. And I played for everybody in the whole music school at University of Mississippi. And, and that was my dream, was to do that for a lifetime. But that was my dream. That was not God's dream. Did you know that God wants to dream for you? Can you just imagine how big God dreams? Huge. We just have a little tiny mind compared to God, right? We can't understand the way he sees things. But again, my dream was to do these things. About the time that I graduated from University of Montevallo, I was directing the choir at a little church in Montevallo, and I was getting up to direct the choir, and I turned around, and I looked, and I saw this guy coming in with the offering plate. They were about to take up the offering. And I was like, ooh, who's that? And it was Barry. I asked his mother who it was. I said, I'm going to marry him. And she said, that's my son, Barry. I said, oh, okay. We started dating. May the 19th was our first date. We got married February the 9th of the next year. I knew it. I knew it right away that he was the one for me. So I'm not going to dwell on that. I told you all a little bit of that last week. But Barry and I got married very, very quickly. Liv was due. I'll just say this out loud. I guess it's okay to say I didn't think I could get pregnant. I'd had a lot of problems. I didn't think I could. So I didn't really worry about it. Well, Liv was due on just about our first anniversary. So she was two, almost two months early. So she was born December the 6th after we had just gotten married February the 9th. So can you just imagine how fast that was for me and for Barry? And not only that, she was in an intensive care unit for a few weeks because she was born so prematurely. So we were just like slammed with that. Again, defining moment. What are you going to do? Are you going to buckle down onto this or are you going to forge ahead and you're going to trust the Lord to take care? So then Patrick came two years later. 
and we just began living life. I was serving. I was doing all kinds of things, and we were busy, busy, busy at church, both of us, Barry and myself, and he just kept going down at the altar at the invitation, and I'm like, everybody thought we were having marital problems, and he's just going down every week. And the Lord's dealing with me at the same time as he's dealing with Barry. And what the Lord was doing was telling Barry he's supposed to be going into the ministry full time. He needs to go to seminary. So we ended up telling the kids, we're like, we're going in ministry and we're going to move and probably move to another state. Patrick's first question was, we're going to have to learn a new language. Because at that time, we thought, we're going to go to the mission field. We're going to go to the mission field because we already had the want to to do missions. So we ended up going to Louisville, Kentucky. We lived there for eight years, and we had a house to sell that the Lord sold to Barry's parents. That moment right there was where I learned a phrase that I have lived with ever since, 1998. Pray bigger than you know. Say that out loud. Pray bigger than you know. Now, I see I have it on bracelets. I have it on nexus. I give them away all the time because if somebody's down and out, I'm like, uh-uh-uh. Pray bigger than you know, because I just prayed for God to give, I keep doing that, sorry. I just prayed for God to give my parents good neighbors, because we just happened to live in the field next to my parents, okay? I had no idea to pray that big, y'all. I never would have dreamed that Barry's parents would have moved, sold their houses from Montevallo, moved to Clanton, Alabama, but I didn't know how to pray like that. I only knew how to pray like this. Pray bigger than you know. Say it again. Pray bigger than you know. Because I began to see God do those things in my life, and I'm like just amazed. All right, so we go to, to Louisville, and we began that journey. Barry graduates from seminary. We come back after those eight years, and we moved to Pelham, all right? Um, when we came back to Pelham, our kids during that time, both of them had seasons that were difficult for parents, all right? They were going through, growing up, going through some changes. During the middle of all of that, and Patrick doesn't mind me sharing this for sure, he comes in one day and he says, I'm tired of people telling me what to do. I'm joining the army. You can laugh at, you can, you can laugh at that. You can laugh at that because this is quite funny. But that, that's what he said. I'm tired of people telling me what to do. I'm going to join the army. And I, I laughed. Do you remember? I said, Patrick, stop. Stop doing that. And it made me mad. But then I realized he was serious. It was not a joke. And he joined the army. And they sent him 8,000 miles away. Oh, my God. Iraq for almost a year. And I'll tell you what, how many nights did I lose sleep on the iPad trying to figure out how many rockets had been shot into his barracks that night? He still calls me the FBI spy because I could do that, and I don't know how I did it, but I did. I knew when he got shot at. I knew when the rockets came. I knew what was going on because he didn't tell me all that. He was trying to, to protect me. Do you all understand what I just said to you, that my son was shot at by rockets? Can you all just take that for a second and just let that sink in? Can you imagine that? It was horrific. It was horrible. But my prayer had always been, God, do whatever it takes to bring him back to you. Would I have ever prayed, send him to Iraq and shoot rockets at him? No. 
No, I would have never prayed that. But sometimes we don't know what to pray. We don't even know the words to say. Have you ever been there? You don't even know what to pray. You don't even know what to say. That's when you have to pray, God, do this, Lord. Do, do what you do. Pray bigger than you know. Say it again. Pray bigger than you know. Say it loud. Pray bigger than you know. Because during that time, Patrick is reunited with Aaron through Skype. He is engaged with, to her through Skype and the Sunday morning service in Pelham, Alabama. He's standing in Kuwait. Weren't you in Kuwait then? Proposing to Aaron. He comes home. I'm telling you, that's a whole other story I could spend a whole week on. But God did all that. Liv met Brian during that time, even though he went to sleep during Bible study at our house. You know, he was working two jobs. <laughs> and he kept hanging out. He was always the last one to be hanging out in the kitchen. I was like, I think Brian likes her. So they, they actually, y'all married how many years ago? Eight? Yeah. And y'all, how many? Seven. 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 Okay. And six kids later, between the two of them, Patrick has four kids. They have two. We're blessed. So, two, three years ago, we moved back to Clinton. Another defining moment. This is literally what I was doing three years ago. Okay? Now, when I picture this, I'm down at the barn. The barn. And we've got baby goats. Okay? I'm sitting in the straw with a baby goat in my lap. And I remember saying, God, what am I doing? And what are you doing? I'm feeding this goat that the mama won't feed. And I'm sitting on that straw going, God, what are you doing? What am I doing? And I said, Lord, I want you to dream. Dream for me. I'm praying bigger. What are you doing? And he began to give me, remind me of my gifts. And so I started a school of fine arts at First Baptist. That was going well. And then out of nowhere, Frank Benicia gives me a call. And so I'm here. All right? Now, I got to move quick. How, how much time have I got? Oh, good. Okay. All right. First of all, let me just say something to, to you. Because some of you... What? You wouldn't answer at all. Oh, I got it. I didn't know what to say. That's why. Oh, 7-Eleven. There you go. All right. Sorry, I'm shy. I'm a shy. I'm a shy person. I'm a shy person. I'm going to say that again. This is the person that you're going to see standing on the stage with their hands raised up singing. But I'm a shy person. Okay? Again, I talk, some of you might be shy and you might be struggling with that. Okay? But don't, don't worry. Because what, what God's going to give you to do, He's going to help you to do it. If you can just stay out of His way, He's going to help you to do it. Whatever it is. Because there's no telling what He's got for y'all. There's no telling. But He knows. You probably don't. But He does. So you've got to listen to Him. Alright? So, there's a lot of choices that you're going to make. Do you want to be a part of the crowd or you want to be a part of the crowd? Okay? My mom taught me something very important years ago. She said, you just don't need a whole lot of friends. You need a couple that you can really trust, that you can confide in, and that can help you, and that can sharpen you, keep you accountable. And you know, to this day, I don't have a lot of friends that I do a lot of stuff with. Those friends are these people right here, my family. That's worked for me. Now, I still have friends. All y'all are my friends. But, that, but my people... I've chosen 
my family. And I can do that. Not everybody can do that, and I know that. But you don't need to have 10,000 friends. You need to have people that you can trust, that you can surround yourself, that are godly, that think like you think, that have the same faith that you have. And then you need to have some friends that are not like you because you're on a mission field, remember? As believers, we're on a mission field. And we need to be sharing our faith with those that are out there that don't know what you know. So on all those years, I had a lot of mentors. I had a, very few friends, but I have a lot of mentors. And that's not, don't feel bad for me. I chose that. I chose that. Miss Myrtle was a mentor. I had mentors in college. But the, probably the person that I can say I learned the most from is my mother. My mother. She is the biggest prayer warrior that I'll ever have. There's never been anything in my life that she's not prayed me through and told me she's praying me through. First morning I was here, she sent me a text. I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for Weston Baptist Church. I love you. This may not be your mother, but you've got to find that person in your life. Maybe I will be that person for one of you. I'm just laying it out there. I want to be, I want to be a person that you can trust, a person you can talk to, a safe place. Okay? And there are other people in this room that want to be that for you as well. Okay? Some of you, it may be your mother, but some of you, it's not. It's not. And that's okay. You find that person that the Lord leads you to because there is someone, there is someone that he has that's going to help you through this. Y'all are here in four weeks, if she says, I think. So you're getting something different every week. I'm sure mine's different. All right, one of the things my mom taught me was to dress modestly. I'm going to talk about that for a second because I think it's important. People that I, that I have trained and I teach, when they get up on the stage to sing, I say, you got to dress modestly because everybody, you don't want to be calling attention to yourself because everybody's like, my dress is too short. I'm looking at the legs, you know. All right, so you gotta, you got to be modest, not just if you're standing on a stage in a church service, but you need to think about what you wear to school, what you wear when you go to the movies, when you're outside of Clinton. And you say, nobody's watching. They're watching. And just when you think they're not, man, that's when you can mess up. That's when you can really mess up, girls. Guard yourself. Guard yourself. Guys don't need all that. God will put you together. I mean, I told you where I met my husband. In a church. He was taking up the offering. I was leading the choir. I don't know where you're going to meet whoever God has for you. If he has someone for you. And not everyone's going to get married or meet that, you know, it's, but most of you will. So you've got to start looking now at the type of person that you're looking for. First of all, they need to be modest dressers. Your reputation is very important. I thank the Lord. You, know, you hear about Billy Graham finishing well, and he did. He did. He finished well. That's what I want to do. I want to finish well. I want my reputation to stay intact, so I guard myself. I'll tell you, I won't ever be in the car with Brother Kenny, with just Brother Kenny in the car, or Brother James, or Brother Eddie, or anybody else that's a male other than my son or my son-in-law. And you don't even like that sometimes. I, and, but that's just Brian because he's very modest and he's very conservative. And that I love that about him. Girls, you hear that? Did you hear that? All right. So those are important things just to think about. It's so important what people think because if you're a born-again believer, you believe in Jesus People need to know that first, but you got to live like it, okay? You can't, 
you got you to gotta walk the walk, not just talk the talk. You got to show it, okay? I'm preaching a little bit at you right now, but you want to find God's one for you. You want to trust them. You want to be able to laugh together. You want to be attracted to them. You want to have the same faith in common. I'm just reading all these things I wrote. They need to be your favorite person. They need to be the favorite person. And I hear Brian will say, she's my favorite person. I love you, but she's my favorite. They need to be your best friend. All right? Your best friend. They need to be the people you want to spend time with. Your mate. And y'all are shaking your heads. There needs to be somebody you can talk through things with. Okay? Barry and I love to talk through things. Sometimes we'll do it driving somewhere. We've made a lot of decisions in the car, too. But talking through things. The pros and the cons. Just talking through things. Figuring it out. They need to be your safe place. Safe. You can say what you think. And girls, you got to be submissive to him. What does that mean? That means he's the leader of your house. Guys, that means you're the leader. Do you know how to do you know how to lead? That's what you have to ask yourself when you get to that point in life. You're learning all those things now. Are you listening along the way? Or are you just going to have a crash course that, 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 like when you get engaged? I hope not. Because you are becoming the man that God made you to be. You're becoming that, girls. You're becoming that woman that God created you to be. So do that. All right. Life goals. God has a plan for your life. I've told you I wanted to go to Juilliard. Had to follow God's plan. Had to hear his voice. All right, just for a second, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. We pray to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Most Baptists don't even know what that means, Holy Spirit. Oh, ooh, no, the Holy Spirit is who's with us here. That Jesus said, I, I, I will leave him. He will be here for you. When you go through times of deep grief when you go through sadness when you go through wonderful victories the Holy Spirit is there to celebrate and and he's the one that's going to speak to you he will give you comfort he'll give you peace you can talk to him he'll direct your path so you want to worship in spirit and in truth that means you want to be real okay if I stood in front of y'all on Sunday morning and I said okay all right my second verse I'll raise my hand third verse I'm gonna put my hand down Next verse, I'm going to raise both hands. I don't do that. Do y'all think I do that? I don't know what I'm going to do. I have, at Pelham one time, I remember getting on my knees. Because the Lord said, get on your knees. And remember what I told you, I know what his voice sounds like. I didn't want to get on my knees, guys. I didn't want to stand out. But when God tells you to do something, you're going to do it. You're going to get on those knees. So, when you worship, you listen to God, and you, and you think about the words that you're singing. How can you not worship God? How can you not give Him everything you have? Look what He's done. Y'all, I've been to Jerusalem. I've been, I've walked those streets, and I have seen where they killed Him. They literally killed Him, and it was not just shoot Him dead. It was awful. It was awful. I've seen it. I've smelled it. I've touched it. I put my hands in the dirt. And I will never forget it. I will never be the same again. Ever. It's like the Bible came to life for me. So how can I not praise Him? How can I not? I have to. The rocks are going to cry out. These chairs are going to cry out if y'all don't start praising Him in here. 
Start worshiping him. Just tell him you love him. You love him. You thank him. And if nobody else in this room is doing it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It matters between you and God. And you know what? People over there, you think, well, they're going to be staring at me if I do so-and-so. You know what? They might just want some of that. They might be hungry for that and a little afraid and a little shy. And y'all, I just, I don't care. That's not, I don't mean that bad, but I don't care. I have to worship God. I have to express that to Him. It's not fake. It's not. It's real. Every song, every word is real. Everything we sing on, on a Sunday, I have prayed about it. I have anguished over it. Sometimes it takes me three days to decide what we're going to sing because I'm doing what I want to do and I got to get out of the way. So you know when you come in there on a Sunday morning that I've prayed for you and I pray that you'll open up and he will open up the heavens every time we're together. But I learned a lesson a long time ago. I've got to worship God right by myself. Not just when I come in there with y'all. What is that? So you need to do the same thing. During the week, take some time and just worship God. Just talk to Him. If a song comes, sing it. But worship is not singing. It's part of it, but it's not. Giving, surrender, that's worship. You don't have to sing a song. God knows your song. He wrote it. He wrote your song. He wrote your story. Still working on it. I love that little kid's song. He's still working on me. I love it. God will never call you to do something that he didn't give you the tools to do it. So when somebody asks you to do something, you think, I can't do it. You can. You can. I'm a shallow girl on the inside, y'all. But I am bold and brave because of a Savior that I love more than anything else, more than Barry. I love Jesus more than Barry. Y'all hear that? He's your number one. Jesus is always your number one. Don't let the world tell you any different. He's got to be your number one in everything else. We've been married 35 years, and those 35 years, every single year, is better and better and better and better. And every year, I love him more. Every single year. And I want you to be able to say that, guys. I want you to be able to say that one day. And maybe go back to this. Maybe tonight is a defining moment for you. I don't know. But I do know that God told me to say some of these things. I haven't said them all, but he told me to say these things to you. So tonight, let me just ask you, I don't want you to hold anything back. I wrote these things down. I want you to be all in. I want you to watch him work. Never stop. Finish well. Because nobody knows when your story's finished on earth and it begins in heaven. You hear me? None of y'all know how many days you've got left. Brody and I have a birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday again, Brody. I love you. I'm so glad we share the same birthday. Nobody knows if Brody and I will make it till our birthday tomorrow. But the Lord knows. So I want you to finish well whenever that is. Because when you take your last breath here, you see Jesus face to face. Just like Miss Judy Thornton did last week. Face to face. Woo, I can't wait. I can't wait. So, God is writing your story, just as he wrote mine. And one day, your story on earth will be finished. Your heavenly story is not going to end. Unless 
You don't know him. There's a quote on my wall that I want to read to you. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left that I could say, I used everything you gave me. Everything. To me, if you were to look in my heart today and ask me what's my greatest gift, first of all, it's salvation. That's my greatest gift. But my greatest gift that I can use on a daily basis, I believe, and I had to think about this, I really believe it's people. More than music. Because God has given me such a love of people that I can't even explain it. Any of y'all have that love? Do you just love people so much? And I'm going to tell you tonight, I love you so much that I can't bear the thought of being in heaven without you. I can't bear that thought. That, 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 I can't hardly say the word out loud. I can't bear that. So tonight, I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm I'm finished. But I want you to think about the defining moment. Because out of all those moments I just mentioned, the one that changed my forever was at five years old when I said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I know you're the only one that can do that for me. I believe you came into this world and you died for my sins. I believe you did that. I believe it's true. It was real. I believe they buried you in the tomb and three days later you came out of that tomb. And Jesus, I need you to save me. Save me. Come into my heart and save me. And when you do that, He will, guys, He will. He will save you. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads.